this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. I just want to thank uh, Pastor Nate and Kelly and Drew and Daniel for the hospitality they've given us. <clears throat> Lisa and uh, Darwin letting us come up and spend time at their house and fellowship with the family that is being created here by God. I, I want to tell you that there's something special here in this place. The Lord resides here in this place. When you come here, know that you're meeting with God Almighty. I'm going to, go, uh, I'm going to be preaching a sermon called No Fear. Um, I'm going to take you into... Uh, into the depths of my life and what I decided to do and where I decided to go and what God had to do to get me out of that and obviously have his will come done in my life. Um, at the, uh, right before my first college football season, it would be the summer before, right about when training camp was co- uh, starting, my younger brother uh, introduced me to Oxycontin. If you don't know what that is, basically uh, Dr. Grade Heroin. Uh, it's for usually for cancer, uh, cancer patients that are in extreme pain. Um, the first time I tried it, it was like something I've never experienced in my entire life, and I was instantly hooked. It instantly took a hold of me. I, I had worked my entire life to go play college football. That was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. And, and, and I got there. But this drug soon started to steal everything that I had worked for in my entire life. Uh, by the time I was a junior, I was injecting a needle in my arm multiple times a day just so I could get through the day. I had to have it when I got up. I had to have it before I go to practice, before I could lift weights, before I could go to school. I couldn't function without of it. It's all I cared about. It's all I wanted. It, uh, it ultimately led me to wanting to be hurt because if I was hurt, then I had an excuse to have the drug. You couldn't tell me I couldn't have it if I didn't get hurt. And that's why I made happen. And I actually herniated two discs in my back and I was prescribed the medicine. And I knew that it was wrong, but I also was too stubborn and I wanted what I wanted And I wouldn't listen to people tell me you're abusing the medicine because, in my opinion, I could use the drugs how I wanted to use them because they were prescribed to me. It led to me uh, dropping out of college my junior year. I didn't finish. I didn't didn't get to play ball my my senior year. It stole everything I had. And the addiction uh, uh, progressed so fast that I had to start stealing from whoever it was to provide for my addiction. And who's the first place? What's the first place you're going to go to? It's going to be your family. You're going to steal from the people that love you most because you think you can get away with it or you think that they, they'll just kind of turn a blind eye to it. And then once they start to figure out that when I come around, you better start hiding your purse. You better lock the doors. You better be on guard. Then I had to go a different avenue and I started selling the drugs. I had a guy coming in from Detroit bringing in around 5,000 pills a week that I would meet and I would sell so I could make money so I could provide for my habit. And it was just an ongoing, on-progressing ordeal in my life. It's all I cared about. Um, and it led me to a place to where I went to a rehab. Finally, my parents talked me into going to rehab in Florida. And uh, I got there and it, it just wasn't 
what I needed. It wasn't working for me. I actually had drugs sent in the mail to me to the rehab. So in my opinion, if I could have the drugs sent to me in the rehab, what am I even doing there? So I flew home early from the rehab, and uh, my parents were gracious enough to allow me back in the house, and I had enough respect for my mother that when she asked me Sunday morning to go to church with her, that I went. And it would be that day, I'm pretty sure it's May 5th or 14th, that the Holy Spirit fell on me and delivered me from drug addiction. He healed my back. He took away every excuse that I ever had to continue to stay on drugs. Uh, Pastor Jamie, some of you may know him. He was the one preaching at the church that I was at when this my encounter with the Lord happened, and I felt led to ask him if if I could travel with him. I, I wanted to I wanted to tell people my story. I wanted to see people encounter God like I did. I wanted to see people set free like I had been set free. And he was open to it, but it just wasn't in God's timing. And I got very discouraged by that. And within about three months, my pride came right back in. And what did Luke do? Luke went straight back to drugs. And for about eight months, I went on another binge. I I broke my family's heart again. They had seen me set free. And uh, I just turned my back on the Lord. And it would be about eight months and... The drawing of the Lord got me back in church again. And the Lord told me, he said, Luke, if you truly want to be free, if you truly want to live for me, you're going to have to give your life up. And there was a man there talking about a program kind of like Teen Challenge. And I don't know if you all know what a a Teen Challenge is, but it's it's nationwide. Uh, It's a a year-long program for men and women to go to who have addiction problems. And... uh, Haley, my wife's father, which is the pastor of the church that I was at at the time, had a, a connection with a, uh, the Teen Challenge in West Virginia, which was only about two hours from the house. And Haley was actually there. And uh, the Lord had Haley speak a pretty direct word to me. And um, I ended up going to Teen Challenge. And um, at Teen Challenge, you basically have no authority. There's no TV. There's no cell phone. I got to talk to my family one time a week for 10 minutes. Um, I did get to see them every two weeks if they decided to come up and see me. But what happened there was I encountered God in a way that I had never encountered God before. Uh, I came to find out that God is real, that He can set me free. And during that time, I asked the Lord, I said, God, I was, I was raised in the church. I, I knew who you were. Why did I go down this path? And I prayed and I prayed about it. And the Lord told me, he said, Luke, you have no fear of the Lord. And that struck me because honestly, I didn't know what that was. I said, fear of the Lord. And he said, yeah. So I went and looked it up. And basically what the fear of the Lord in the Bible is, is a reverence slash respect for the Lord and his commandments. So basically what had happened is my pride and my ignorance of the word kept me from following God's will. You know, what did I think? I was brought up in the church, but what do most Christians in America think being a Christian is? Can I tell you what I personally believe? 
I believe it's just being seen at church. I believe it's saying the Lord's Prayer. I believe it's singing a couple of hymns, listening to a pastor and not letting it impact our hearts. That we keep our hearts hardened, that we can allow the Lord to move in our life. And I soon came to find out that's not what a Christian is. <clears throat> John Bevere says, Holy fear is the key to God's sure foundation, unlocking the treasures of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. So when you start to trust God in His Word, you start to build a relationship with the Lord. You can't build a relationship with somebody until you trust them, until you have respect for them. That's the key. That's the starting point of a relationship. And it's the same thing with God. God desires a relationship above all else, above works, above anything else other than his personal relationship with you. And I'm going to prove this to you biblically. In Matthew 7, 22 through 23, many will say to me in the day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Now, this is at the judgment seat too. <clears throat> cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's, that was hard for me to swallow. You're going to tell me that somebody's up here prophesying, casting demons out, and they can get to heaven and, and the Lord can say that he doesn't even know you? So that tells me right there that relationship with God is more important than anything else. <clears throat> this verse is very clear that God desires a relationship with us over any works that we can do. What I thought having a relationship was, was just being religious. What man has made God out to be. What man has made Christianity out to be. <clears throat> Going through the motions, just being seen not actually repenting of my sins, turning away and following God's commandments. When you start to build a relationship with the Lord, His words start to mean something to you. His words begin to take root in your life and will soon bear fruit. When you are in a relationship with somebody, you begin to trust and respect that person. You are able to open yourself up and drop your guard. When you start to work on that relationship with the Lord, pray and read his word, it begins to do a work in you. It starts to change the way you think and feel and how you treat others. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than two any, any two-edged sword, piercing from the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Once you start to cultivate this relationship with the Lord, Jesus starts to do something in your heart. Your, start, your heart starts to beat on rhythm with God's heart. And this relationship leads to a heart condition. God took, like I was saying earlier in my testimony, I had a hardened heart. I hated, I hated people. I hated my mom and dad who did nothing but show me love continually. And I've come, and God gave me a revelation of this, is when you don't love yourself you can't accept love from anybody else. It's, it's taboo. It's foreign to you. It kind of When somebody kind of comes up and starts to love on you, it pricks you in a way that you're not used to feeling. It kind of makes you feel a little weird. That conviction starts coming, and you shut people off. <clears throat> but it says in 1 John 4.20, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? 
So basically what the Lord's telling us is if you can't love yourself or if you can't love your neighbor as yourself, then you can't love God because you can't even love somebody he's put in front of you that you can see. God loves everyone. When God changes your heart condition, he doesn't call you to just love Christians, but to love everyone. Acts 10, 34 through 35 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and who does what is right. That's, that, that gripped me right there. Is I can't choose if, if you have a relationship with God and he is starting to soften your heart and your heart's starting to beat on rhythm with the Lord's heart, then you're going to have to love like God loves. And that's a love that forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives no matter what you've done. And that, that, that was hard for me at first because I didn't want to love somebody that had slandered me. I didn't want to love somebody who had done my family wrong, uh, you know? So it's, it's this changing, though it's this indwelling of the Spirit in you when you enter into this relationship with Jesus that he changes that, that, that you, you don't even know how it happens. And that's the great thing about God, but you have a love for people again. <clears throat> God's heart beats for the lost, in Matthew 18, 12, it says, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? I mean, I think that, that goes into right what I was saying, that no matter what you've done, nowhere, no matter what or where you've been or the sin that you've committed, it says God's going to leave the 99 to come find you. God's going to send us the children of God, out to seek the one that is lost. God's heart, above all else, beats for the lost. He desires to see no one go to hell. He, hell wasn't designed for us. Hell was designed for Satan and his angels. Heaven was designed for God's children. And that's, the, that's how God intended it to be from the beginning. When your heart starts to change, the condition leads to a brokenness. So, in Psalms 51, 17, it says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So as I, as I entered into this relationship with God, and as he started to change my heart, I started to get this brokenness for people. <clears throat> I, I, I have a brokenness for, for people in addiction, for people who are, who are lost and don't know Jesus. I have, I, it, it pains me to see people living in sin and not knowing that there is freedom at the name of Jesus. There is freedom. Our hearts should break for what breaks God's heart. And that's what starts to happen as, that, as your heart condition, it leads to that brokenness. Sin breaks God's heart. We should be broken for all lost people. We should want everyone to know God. <clears throat> I have a brokenness for those people that are addicted, like I was saying. And, and honestly, God continues to break my heart for more than just people that are addicted. It's, it's for every person in the church. Like Haley's father says all the time that the church is just like a hospital. Sick pe that's where sick people come. And all sick people need to be healed. And, and God wants all sick people to be healed. <clears throat> I know the internal struggle that they are going through, the loneliness, the not feeling loved, knowing something is missing in your life and not being able to put your finger on it. 
That void is something that God can only fill. It's a God-sized hole in your heart. I was at Teen Challenge where every single day, somebody from prison, somebody that was homeless, somebody bound by drugs or abuse or porn, whatever it may be, came in every single day. And it came to my knowledge that what, what is missing? Because let me tell you, in your addiction, you wake up every once in a while and say, what the heck am I doing? And you don't have to be addicted for that to happen. I know there's probably some people in this church, in this sanctuary right now that wake up in the morning and say, God, what am I doing? I don't feel fulfilled for some reason. And it's because there's a God-sized hole in your heart. You've not opened your heart. You've not entered into that relationship with the Lord and allowed Him to come in and feel that heart. You feel that hole that's in your heart. In John 10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Man, what a powerful verse that is. I mean, that, that just shows you that it's, it's the devil's trickery to make you think that you've given it all up to Jesus, that you've entered into this relationship, but your lifestyle, your actions aren't showing or bearing that fruit that should be bearing when you've entered into that relationship. Brokenness activates a desire for a response. So as God starts to change your heart, and then God starts to put this brokenness inside of you for people that are lost, there's only one more thing to do after that, and that's to give it a re- to desire a response, to act it activates a response. We got to do. I cannot sit back, and I will not sit back and watch people die, watch people be addicted, and not know Jesus. Just to give an example, yesterday, and this is how easy it is. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. I, I, you know. I, we stopped at a gas station driving home yesterday, and, and it was just a small, it's that small voice that says, tell him about Jesus. And it, it was the, the cashier. And all I said to him, he had a name badge on. I said, Michael, I said, God loves you. And I said, no matter what you've done, God forgives you, and he will always be for you, there for you. And you know what? God will take those very simple words, and it'll plant a seed inside of him. And I guarantee, and I pray that he wakes up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, what's What's wrong with me? Why do I feel like this? That's because the Holy Spirit's knocking at the door. You have, it is our responsibility to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Hearing God's voice and fearing Him allows you to start responding to God's instructions that He is giving you. When you respond to God, you start to step into God's will. This can be a scary part because God's going to ask you to do some things that's going to test your faith. And I, I think this is a great verse to show this. In Genesis 12, 1 through 4, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, and as God had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he was set out from Haran. What does that show me? What does this story say to me right here? That Abram had fear of God. 
Abram didn't question whether or not God had told him to leave. Abram had a relationship with him and his heart was right. His heart had a desire to follow and do what the Lord was, was telling him to do. And he set off immediately. He went immediately. God has shown us that instantly Abram had feared the Lord, which led to a response. Abram didn't question God. He just responded to the instructions. And what does this verse tell us? It, it, it says that he left from your country and went. And what did God say after that? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a nation that's going to be blessed by you. If somebody curses you, I'm going to curse them. So that's a promise. That there is a promise from God that if you fear him and as you come into the will that he's given you and you step out on faith and do it, he's instantly going to bless you. That's what everybody wants nowadays is the blessings from the Lord. I want the blessings from the Lord too, but your heart and you have to be in the right relationship and your heart has to line up with his heart so that you know his will. And when that happens, that's when God pours his blessing out on you. And I feel like God just wants me, what did I, how did I respond to God? What did I do? It was, it was going to teen challenge. It was giving up everything that I ever wanted. It was giving up TV, cell phone, inst- you know, my car, a job, you know, and my family. Sometimes you have made decisions and you have put you in the place that God has to take you down a certain path to break all of the stigma that you've put on yourself. I had to go to Teen Challenge and I had to be reconstructed completely. I had to learn that it's not Luke's will, it's God's will. I had to learn that you have to listen to the Lord and you have to read and you got to pray and you got to go to church and you got to fellowship and you got to enter in and do God's will. And in that, the Lord's blessed me. I just, I, this, is how, this is how the Lord's going to bless you when you enter into God's will, when you step into that relationship that you want. He provided me a wife within six, seven months of graduating. He, he put me in a family that has a long history of pastor. Her grandfather's a pastor. Her dad's a pastor. Her, both of her brothers are pastors. She's a pastor. God has formed me into a family of pastors. And you know what? When I made that mar- marriage covenant with her, I entered into that family of pastors. He, he, her grandfather was the first minister to donate money to the Teen Challenge. 33 years ago, before me and her were even born, God had it in his plan for her grandfather to give money to the teen challenge that I was going to go to, where God was going to change my life, where I was going to meet my wife, where he was going to send us into the world to preach the gospel so that people can be saved. I mean, come on. Why wouldn't you want to enter into a relationship with somebody that's going to do that for you? You know, I, I love my wife with everything in me. But I can tell you this, I love God more because He's faithful and to do what He says He's going to do. And He knows who you're supposed to be with and He knows where you're going to go. He will not let you down. I don't know if y'all are getting this right now. I don't know that you are. Relationship is so important. Forget about what the world wants to Say you are. Say we're radical. Well, I'm a stinking radical, and I'm going to give God the glory no matter where it is in front of whoever it is. It doesn't matter. 
And that's how, that's what God does. That's, that's the kind of heart and boldness that the Lord gives you when you enter into this relationship with him. It is none of this, man, it's Sunday morning. I'm pretty tired. I guess I go to the church. No, you wake early. You get up in the prayer. You're like, man, I'm ready to see God move. I want to see somebody healed. I want to see somebody set free. God will use you regardless of your circumstances. Guys, I'm the least, I have the least accolades. I have, who am I? Who was I? A druggie, a a needle junkie. That's who I was. But as I preached up on that mountain, God doesn't care who you were and he'll take each and every test or each and every situation you've gone through and use it to bring other people out of that. And I think this is very true. As I said, nowadays, you won't believe somebody unless they've been through that same situation that you're going through, right? If somebody comes up and tells me some, somebody that's never had a drink of alcohol or smoked a cigarette or anything tried to come and tell me and talk to me about drugs, no, you don't even know what you're talking about. You can't even, you can't even relate but God, that's, that's the great thing about God because he, he takes the things that the world seems are weak, that the world could never imagine seeing anybody rise up from and use that. And he takes that to, to raise people up to be strong. <clears throat> Fear of the Lord is a fundamental aspect. This is, what I've come, this is what I've come to realize is fearing God is a fundamental aspect. All throughout the Bible, it tells us, he, I mean, he gives us the Ten Commandments. It's commandment, it's commandment after commandment. Do this for this reason. Do this for this reason. You know, I used to think, if I have to stop drinking, I can't have fun on the weekends anymore. If I got to stop doing drugs, how am I going to feel happy anymore? What's going to be fun about that? But that's, that's the beauty of God's commandments. It's the command, he didn't give us commandments to make us slaves. He gave us his commandments to set us free. When you don't have to have alcohol on the weekend, you're free. When you don't have to have drugs to wake up, you're free. When you don't got to smoke a cigarette or whatever else to, to calm your nerves, you're free from that. Do you, do you understand that? That bondage of sin that you're in is gone. That, that's, how, that's how good the devil is, that he makes us think that if we don't have that, that we can't be free. Or we're free because we can go party. Or we're free because we can drink. No, you're doing that because you feel like you have to. You're doing that so you can fit in. And that's not how God designed it. He called us to be a, a, gener- a different generation. He called us out, away to be the light. Without it, you will trust yourself more than you trust God. And that's my hardest, that's the thing that I deal with most is pride. And men, do we have to deal with pride? Woo-wee, I can do it on my own. I don't need nobody. I can get out of this addiction by myself. I can make million dollars by myself. I don't need no help. I don't need anybody. That directly goes against what God's telling us to do. Fear of the Lord allows you to trust and enter into a relationship. Guys, I hear people all the time say they're, they're closed off. I can't, can't open myself up. I don't want to be hurt. God will never hurt you. You can open your heart up to the Lord. He will never, ever, ever shame you, hurt you, you know, leave you. He says he's closer than a brother. He's closer than a friend. 
<clears throat> fear of the Lord leads to relationship, and relationship leads to the fear of the Lord. If you want to have the worship team come back up. Guys, when you take these foundations, and this is a foundation, fear of God and relationship, they start to grow <clears throat> inside of you. And, it, and God's going to take you on a journey that you never could have imagined. I know there's people in here right now, maybe you've never been addicted to drugs. Maybe you've... Never think, never, maybe you've never been in a situation where you thought you needed a Savior. Maybe you thought being a Christian is what I said was being a Christian. Just coming here to church, doing what you want to do. <clears throat> maybe you are completely bound by some kind of substance abuse. Maybe you're being abused. Guys, it, it, this, this call for a relationship, this call of the fear of the Lord has no bounds. It covers all. That's what it says. It says Jesus came, God sent Jesus down to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to take away the sins of the world. It didn't say which sin. It said all sin. All sin. It didn't matter what it was. Can I just get everybody to bow their head? I want you to... I want you to clear your minds out. I want you to go to that place toward you, and it's just you and the Lord. And as you sit here, I want you to ask yourself, God, am I right standing with you? God, do I fear your commandments, Lord? Lord, do I have a, an awe of respect for you, Father, that I put above all else? If that's you here today, I'd like you just to raise your hand. <clears throat> and uh, I should have done this first, I'm sorry, but guys, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you're living under the weight of sin, if you're bound and you feel like you just can't get out, and you feel like there's no way out. I lived under it for eight years. I know, I know, I know. And that's why I can stand up here and proclaim that Jesus is the answer. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, can I get to raise your hand, please? I'd love to pray with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray first, but after this, if you raise your hand, whether it be for not knowing Jesus or knowing that you've not had the fear of the Lord, knowing that you've not entered into this relationship with God, let me tell you something. I sat in the seat, and I've raised my hand multiple times, and said, Lord, coming into my life. And I'm not saying God can't do that. That doesn't happen. But let me tell you that it didn't change my heart, that I left, I left pricked, but I didn't leave a new creation. But I can tell you 
that when that altar call was made and I felt the Holy Spirit tugging at me, if your heart's about to beat out of your chest, if you're about to cry, if you, can, if you just feel uncomfortable, that's the Holy Spirit. There's something when you stand up amongst all these people and don't care. It's something when you are tired of being tired and you don't care what it takes that you're going to get to the hem of His garment. That you're going to get healed. That it's your time. There's something that happens when you stand up and come up here and meet with God at the altar. So as they play, <clears throat> I just want you, if you raise your hand, to, to grab somebody else's hand. Grab your spouse's hand. Grab a friend's hand. doesn't matter. To come up here and meet with God in a way that you've never met Him. And enter into this relationship that He desires for you to enter in. And I will pray with you. And I know Pastor Nate and Daniel and, my, and Haley. And Ke- there's, there's a family here that wants to see you live in freedom. It's a, nobody's going to condemn you for, for standing up and being honest with God. But they're going to applaud you. And they're going to say thank you. Because now comes the next step. So if you're here and you raise your hand, would you please come forward now? The Holy Spirit's here. He's coming. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.